0: And faithfully supporting our family. Thank you so much. Uh, we've really needed that, and we appreciate what you've done for us as a family. And uh, today, I'm, Pastor Rip is going to be preaching, and uh, so he's going to give us the word today, and I'm encouraged to hear that and what he's going to say for us. But I just want to say thank you for all of your love and support for my wife, Chris, and I, and for our family, and uh, how important you are to us. All we do ask is that you praise Jesus. Father, We come to you today. And we're so thankful that we have a promise and an inheritance that waits for all of us today as we're faithful to you. Accept our praise and worship today as we honor you, as we love you, as we choose to accept you as our Savior and our Lord. And we worship you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. to bring to you the Word of God. When I first started preaching, I was probably a year old in the Lord, and I wasn't a novice. Some people wanted to keep me in the novice box, but I kind of blew out of that. Even being six months old in the Lord, it had nothing to do with me. I would have dragged my feet as long as I could. The Lord put me in preaching ministry when I was probably two weeks old in the Lord, but I didn't know what I was. And people just said I had a lot of passion and I was a religious freak. And uh, I was, and I still am. (laughs) Some things just burn brighter, you know. And I love it. I love Jesus. There's some of you here that I don't know, but most of you I do know. And I just want to say it's so good to know the Lord and together with each of you. It's a joy to come back here. Um, you know, about a year ago, the Lord said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring to you a new adventure. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't have any idea. And of course, silly me for even thinking I should. Um, my life is hidden in Christ as yours is. And it slowly unfolds. And sometimes the Lord gives us little glimpses. And uh, I had no idea that it would all come down to, you know, working where I work and putting in as many hours as I do, and sometimes it gets a little involved, and it takes away from my sensitivity to other people's needs, and, um, you know, my world begins to focus too much, and I don't like that. And I told Pastor Mike that I was going to share something uh, to do with a dream I had, and it was on... um, Oh my, was it, was it Wednesday or Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, I think it was. I had a dream. And, and Mike and I were in the dream together. And I knew it was a dream of the Lord because it's one of those dreams that you say, I wouldn't have had that otherwise. And you know deep down in your knower that it was from the Lord and I knew it was for a purpose. And the Lord was, was just saying to me, Do you, how can you forget your friend, your brother, and your pastor in a time when he needs you? And I, I knew it from that dream, from the encounter that we had together in that dream, and I thought, I was shaking my head, and I'm going, well, of course. And so I texted him at about 7 o'clock in the morning before I went to work, and I just asked him, is there anything I can do for you? And then it, one thing led to another, and here I am this morning. My, my wife is down on the other side of Bel Air. We are camping down there. And having a delightful time, and it was my joy to to hop in a car and come up here. What wasn't my joy was realizing that it's almost an hour drive (laughs) from there to here. Oh, my goodness. Would you turn with me to Mark chapter 16? Hallelujah. Lord, Lord, if there's anything I can impart to these people, it is a hunger. For signs and wonders and miracles. In this dark hour we live. In this closing hour on this earth and its history. In which we are living and experiencing God. That there would be a hunger to see more of Jesus moving in power. Raw power. Book of Acts. Power. Today. Now in their lives. God, I hunger for that. I cry out for it. Lord, may it be released this morning, Your Holy Spirit. Lord, just impart that to Your people to feel just a little bit more on fire leaving than when they came and not because church is over. But Lord, that life is beginning afresh and brand new. Father, I pray that You wreck some lives today. Lord... There's some that may not even know what that means, but God, some of us do. Lord, I say wreck their lives according to the way that they live, according to the way of this world, according to their affections and desires that are apart from You. And even though they may good, be good, Lord, coming to church is a good thing, but Lord, You can, you can step in the middle of it and change it all with an encounter. And I pray, Lord, just a little bit of that today. Just a little bit. Lord, We've only seen a glimpse, whereas Paul saying, I, have only, I, I only see through a glass, darkly, dimly. God, brighten it this morning in Jesus' name. Through your word, Lord, through the preaching of your servant, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Get some. <laughs> That's all I can say this morning is get some. Get some. Do you think you've come to the end of seeing what God is going to do in your life? Are you kidding me? Get some. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a quick word on what my ministry has been in all of my 30-some-odd uh, years of knowing Him and preaching the gospel as simply as this, is that my life is such that I have come to comfort the afflicted. That's Jesus. And have also come to afflict the comforted. So if you are comforted in your own little world... I hope this morning that I afflict that a little bit. I am not condescending. God help me. I've been where you are and maybe not, but I know this, that you can be where I am and be filled with His power, His passion, His presence, His zeal to the point where you want to step out and lay hands on the sick in the general public. Preach. Saying... As Jeremiah, it's a fire shot up in my bones. You don't have to go to college to preach to the disciples. And they preached enough to get themselves martyred. Do you have that much? Get some. Don't go quietly. You could go out and be a fool for Jesus. The only thing that that offends is your sense of pride. Self-image and all that good stuff. Mark 16 is about signs and wonders. This is the last portion that Mark has to bring to us. I like, I like the book of Mark for this. Not only is it compact and concise in the manner in which it was written, but it also gives to us a powerful look at the Son of God in full ministry as a servant to his Father, carrying through each and every day what the Father wanted him. Now it's time for him to go, and he says his last words according to Mark. He says his last words to his disciples according to Mark. He is rebuking them. Oh, that's not a nice thing to say, your last few words to disciples, according to a Gospel that you are writing. What kind of a picture is Mark trying to give us? That Jesus is rebuking his disciples, the last thing he says to them. Read it. He's rebuking them for their lack of faith. And their lack of faith specifically concerning the things that were written and said and prophesied about the raising up again of the Son of God. Resurrection. You can't kill God. He rose again. Fully man and fully God. Now entirely fully glorified. That's Jesus. And he's rebuking his disciples, saying, How come you didn't believe? And then he goes on to say what I want us to look at this morning Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. And he said to them, In my name they will drive out demons, these signs will follow them that believe. Do you believe? They will drive out demons in My name. They will speak in new tongues. Are you Pentecostal? Or are you just coming to a Pentecostal church to see what Pentecostals do? Speaking in tongues ought to be your primary language. English or whatever you speak otherwise ought to be your second language. Because one is more powerful than the other in terms of kingdom power. These signs will follow them that believe. They will drive out demons. I love it in order. If this were in order of priority, the first order of priority is to do what Jesus did, and that is wreck the kingdom of darkness. You are placed where you are placed to interrupt, to interrupt the devil's plans. It's no wonder he doesn't like us. Who cares? First thing, drive out demons. Second thing, they will speak in tongues. These are signs to who? To the ones that are out there just floating around on the ministry circuit and preaching in other tongues and maybe picked up a doctorate or two. No! Do you believe? And I like the other ones too, and I'm going to get into this in a moment. Here's the one, <laughs> here's the one that we like to do away with. You know, it says, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, they're going to pick up snakes with their hands, um, and when they drink deadly poison, it won't hurt them. And then we skip on to the last part that says, and they'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall what? Recover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love it. This is why Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Power from on high. You need it. There has been a concerted attack on the church to take power out of our lives. It's been an attack. When I say church, I mean capital C, you and I. We are the church. We are the expression, we are the physical expression of Jesus on this earth. We are the body of Christ. We are His body. When people see us and they see us without God's power, they think that God has no power. They think that there is no hope for their lives when there is trouble there's been an attack, not only experientially, to take Pentecostal power out of the church, but to take the raw power of God and miracles out of the church. And I suppose it's always been that way, but it seems like it. But it was just a couple hundred years ago, this thing called cessationism that began to flood into theology. Cessationism is not... A portion of theology. It's bad theology. There is nothing in the Bible that says that God's gifts and power are not in operation today. Or just in foreign lands where someone's going to start a new church somewhere. Nonsense. Nonsense. I hope that you can see this morning that that is also an attack to take power out of the church. To take power out of this planet to push it aside get rid of it the problem is and it's always been this way you let you let real revival you let the glory of god hit a church and you'll find out which ones have a fixation on things called decency and things done in order do you know that god doesn't care about that the decency and things in order that Paul talked about had nothing to do with what we call decency, things decent and in order. It has nothing to do with that. If it is, then you need to go back and read the book of Acts to find out what decent and in order is. We've got this fixation on all things being just the way we want them to be. Uh, when Jesus shows up, things get changed around a little bit. Uh, you know, things start to happen. And we like that part. But the part we don't like is when we begin to see that our own our own thoughts and desires, our own plans, all of that might not come into alignment with what God wants for you and I. Here's the thing. He is not my servant. Theology is not my servant. Theology is my experiences in God. That's what it is. It's seeing what God is doing in my life and how... How I take the Word of God and I read it and believe it and put it into my life in practice. There is an attack on the church to take the power of God. You know how easy it is to have church and not worry about miracles taking place. They just mess up your order. They they mess up your you know some churches you go to and everything's in order on your bulletin. Oh my goodness, even we're going to sing this at this time, we're going to say amen at this time. Nonsense! You let Jesus come into that church and it will mess it up really quick. I knew of a church that was the, uh, Episcopal, need I say anymore. Um, they liked their things in order. And the Holy Spirit began to hit that place and pretty soon they found out that they weren't as Episcopalian as what they thought they were. It made a mess out of things. They couldn't do things in order anymore. Was it decent? Amen. What we call indecent, God calls decent. His ways are not our ways, they are higher, they are more expanded than our ways. We only see a little tiny bit. We've only got one little sliver of the piece of pie in the kingdom of God. Get some. Jesus needs a people who are willing to take a risk for him. There has been a war to take power out of the church, and what we see now taking place is what we have come to believe and have seen obviously, call Captain Obvious on this one, but we are in the great falling away. Duh. You know what the problem is? It's not the falling away. The problem is taking the power out of the church. It was twenty years ago a lady in in my church down in Clarkston. we had full blown revival. My life has been changed ever since then, and you know you just can 't come into church and have things planned out. you know It used to be where where you where a pastor had to have vision for the service you know oh <laughs> well, like he knew everything God was going to do uh, we do we do not have. We have a shortage of prophets like that these days, I'll tell you what. You, you know, and that's, that's the thing of decency and order and having to be in control of everything, you know. And uh, the lady came up to me after service. She said, Pastor, I had a vision. I said, well, what was it? And just between her and her husband and I, she, she had a look of fear and fright on her face and I knew it was intense what she had seen in God. She says, I saw a stadium being built and it was under construction, but people were already starting to come in because uh, because of a coming storm. There was a storm, she says, it was a black sky on the horizon with lightning and and thunder, and she says it was frightening. But she says what I can't figure out. And this is, <laughs> it's like you couldn't figure this out. Come on, Kathy. Um, they visited here when I was passing here some years back. Delightful people. She said that they were in the stadium. It was under construction. She says the thing that she couldn't figure out were were these hard hat guys pulling huge power cables as quickly and as furiously as they could into the stadium. Because there was not power in the stadium. There was a storm coming. People were already coming into the stadium because that's where they belong. That's where they were going to be. That's what in their plans. And, and there, but the stadium wasn't built yet. And then, and then she said, this is the thing that really gets me. She says, I looked at, at, at a mother in front of me that had a baby. And in that pre-church service, in that church that was being built as a stadium, she says, I looked and it was an infant, but it had a full-grown adult face and head. Now, I admit that I didn't know what that meant either until just recently. And it's like a little bell goes on and I go, oh yeah, this is what believers are like today in this new church that we have. This new church life that we have built, the seeker sensitive, push the power of God out, be relevant to the unbeliever kind of church service where we have pop, pop music going on in the platform and, and all of this together. Everything, you know, and, and, and everything is about building programs and, and more money coming in. And you know the picture. The thing that disturbed me was when I saw what that baby was with the adult face was that is the type of believer that we have today. We have people that are uh, should be adults in Christ but they are undeveloped. They are immature. Why? Because power has been taken out of the church. When you take power out of the church, you have an underdeveloped church. And you have a church that will quickly go into any kind of heresy grab onto any little thing why because Jesus wasn't enough it boggles my mind turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 there's a reason why Paul says what he's, what what was written down or excuse me what Luke wrote down and Paul said to the Corinthians in First Corinthians two, and give me a moment to get there, I didn't bookmark this, but I want us to see this. This is so so important for today. And and because we are so we want to hear messages that are geared toward ourselves and not how great God is. And how wonderful it is that we are in a superior kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says this in verse 4. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Where is our faith supposed to rest? On God's power. Why do we have a faithless church? Capital C. This is an apostolic message. This is not a pastoral message. The reason why we have a church that is dying, why it's underdeveloped, why people no longer live by faith, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. You don't see that anymore. So you have a church that is flaking out, falling away, the great apostasy, because we are now seeing that the power of God, the demonstration of God, is no longer welcome and is scary to people in the church. Oh my goodness. God help us. God help us get some. Get some. As I get older in my earthly years here, I'm getting younger in Christ. Are you that way? Oh, oh, wow. My wife tells me, she says, You have ADD. And I said, So what? I'm still saved. I had ADD before Christ. I now have sanctified ADD after Christ. <laughs> you ought to see me at work. <laughs> my my, I'm a manager where I work and, and my boss owns the place, you know, and, and he says, Rip, focus. <laughs> I look at him laugh and I said, I've already been helped. <laughs> You're seeing the good part of me. One day he pushed me to absolute frustration. He hired me because I have a, a, a <laughs> an even keel about things. I'm going, he doesn't know me as good as he thinks he does. But I love that part, I, you, know, the, you know, letting the fruit of patience flow in my job. And even when customers come in, and they, or or, or in this, day the bosses, he's just he's trying to push my buttons. He tests me all the time because he's an unbeliever. He tests me, he tests my honesty, and and I love it because it's like you can't test me any more than what pastoring churches has done for thirty years, buddy. Get in line. I love it. The older I get in God in the earthly years the younger i get in jesus there's hope for you there is hope for god to be greater in you than what he has been to this point don't die in the land of laodicea don't die with life just going just going nice and smooth i just like it the way it is mm the Lord has placed you where He has placed you to thwart, to bring an intervention, to interrupt the enemy's plans. That's why He's got you where He, he wants you to flow in God's power. He, he cast out demons. Have you ever done that? Don't tell me you haven't seen any. Cast them out. Speak in other tongues. Maybe you've only tried once or twice. you going to give up on that? That is the greatest single thing God can do inside of you to bring power out there in your mission field. Speak in other tongues. I don't have to tell you how to get it. You know you come to a Pentecostal church. Just get it. Use it. We are living in a day where it's needed. Oh, do you know what tongues are for? Have you read 1 Corinthians 14? Read it again. What are tongues for? Oh, you say, oh 1 Corinthians 14. No, prophecy is greater. You know, people think we're crazy if we're speaking tongues. Good. They think you're crazy otherwise. They might as well think you're crazy for God. Be a fool for Jesus. He uses the foolish to confound the wise. Tongues are for Anybody want to finish that? Tongues are for. Tongues are for, we're getting there. Tongues are for the unbeliever. Did you know that? Tongues are given to you and I for the unbeliever. Why are we not seeing people converted, saved in our services? Why? Because our church doesn't allow that? Rile somebody up. So don't rock the boat. The boat's going to sink anyway. You're heading into a storm. Learn to walk on water. I speak figuratively, but there's coming a time when you and I need to get out of the boat, to get out of the comfort. Cast out demons. Don't put up with them. I like that part. You live in a, you are a citizen of a superior kingdom. I've had demons at work. I used to ride a bus twice a day, three times a day with kids in the probate system in a recovery program. And I had one, I called him Little Lippy Lucas. And he was all of that, including his name, Lucas he was little and he was lippy. But what people didn't understand that I knew is that he had demons. I made him sit right next to me on a bus. Oh, he hated that. Well, not him. The demon. Demons do not like you. They don't like you at all. <laughs> I like that part. Good. It's a different kingdom. And the thing that that bothers me most about believers who don't understand the superiority and the authority of this kingdom that we live in is is that they grab a hold of little tiny little tidbits and even songs I, that that aren't true that are that are in error con- concerning God's word do you remember Carmen the singer when he back in the 80s back in the 80s 85 86 who knows the, the champion do you remember that Talked about Jesus being, you know, being in a boxing match with the devil. Are you kidding me? you got to be kidding. They aren't even, arena? They aren't even in the same universe. One is the creator, the other is the created. Don't you think the devil even has a chance? You have authority over him. Don't put up with him. Don't not put up with the devil but maybe there's something going on in your life that you need to repent of, then all of a sudden you develop theology like that. Live a holy life for souls. Live a holy life for for your family, for everything that God has placed you in. Live a holy life. Cleanse your heart, cleanse your hands, cleanse your mouth. Oh but if that's the way you have lived and you hide things from other people that you don't want to repent of, it's no wonder you develop a theology that, you know, I'm just gonna be nice and the devil won't bother me, nonsense, he wants you dead. If it weren't for the grace of God you would be you'd be out of here. He has come to lie, steal, kill, destroy. Nothing good and you have been given authority over him. If you see demons act up, either evict them, or if it's in a place where it just takes wisdom, you can do what I did on the bus one day. Irritate them. Demons have irritated me for so long, and people around me, and I see the damage they do. I had one that I recognized from other places. Now, I won't go into all of my experiences here but on this one day uh, i had one you know that okay he's sitting next to me he he's just he's ornery all the time anyway and he, and he comes out with the old the old 12-step program thing once he, he looks at me and he goes rip you're 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 a drug addict and i looked at him and i said where do you get that from man he says you did drugs you're a drug addict i said yep i said, "But." I've been cleansed and washed in Jesus' name and that no longer applies. And all of a sudden, he grabs his ears. As soon as I said it, he grabs his ears. Now, I'm going to take this off for a minute. And I thought, that wasn't Lucas. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the attention of everybody on the bus turned around and looked and said, wow. And I recognized that I was now speaking with a demon that was really irritated with me. And guess what? I was really irritated with him. And I said, and so I spoke to Lucas as Lucas when the devil was, or the demon was being manifested, you know, and and carrying on. I said, Lucas, I said, I said, you don't like it when I speak about the Bible? "Ah!" He went into it again. And inside of me, I'm, I'm doing what Jesus said to His disciples. He said, rejoice, not because demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was rejoicing in a superior kingdom where there is no rulership over us except Him. <laughs> yeah, You know, I just struck me as a moment where i thought you know what i'm going to i'm going to irritate you and i did and by the time we got to town you know i i thought i'm going to i'm going to let it settle so you know he doesn't go in and go postal on everybody in the school or something you know and, and uh, you know it just was one of those experiences that that highlighted to me that that, you know, there's an all-or-nothing part of me that should have just cast the thing out in Jesus' name. But, but there's some things I've learned along the way that not all of that replies, applies. But in that case, it became very obvious to me that you and I have authority. And he hates us for it. The devil hates us for it. Because we as children have everything that Jesus had. Everything that Jesus had, we are given to people who, except by God's grace, are undeserving. Mm-hmm. Speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. You know, Sarah, I've heard this crazy theology along the way, these little comments that people just kind of, I don't know where it comes from, it doesn't come from the Bible, they say things like, they, oh, oh, when we speak in tongues, the devil can't understand it. So what? So what? What does it matter if he understands it or even knew it before you did? What does it matter to you and I? That He does not understand tongues. (laughs) We live in a superior kingdom. He has no edge on us. None. You understand where I'm going with this? Or this one. We're talking about the the armor of God, you know, and the helmet of salvation is placed on our heads so the devil can't read our thoughts. Big deal! What does it matter? Really? Really? It doesn't matter what the devil thinks of us, what we say, or what he thinks we say in tongues, or it doesn't matter. He's doomed. He's doomed. And you and I are going to be seated with him, even now, but even more so when we enter into our reward because of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and our life in him. It doesn't matter. Authority. 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 This is another one I like in Mark 16. Talks about handling snakes and drinking poison. And you and I, all of a sudden, we have visions of a little church in West Virginia up in the mountains or something, right? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. You think they're not around here? When we, (laughs) when we had our church in Clarkston, there was one right around the corner. And here we were right on the edge of the metro area. And, you know, and here's, here's a nice looking church. Nice cars in the parking lot. They did that. Handling snakes and drinking poison. But do you know what that means in Scripture? Let me give you just a glimpse here. It's God's power to intervene to save our lives in the midst of a tragedy. For Him to come in and thwart and say, No more. You have authority. You're going to live, not die. How many of you uh, times have you and I been through situations where if it weren't for an angel showing up, we would be dead? Uh huh. Uh huh. That's the same thing. That's what Mark, that's what Jesus was talking about in Mark 16. They shall do this, but they shall not die. They shall do this. It, sh- it should be worded like this if it, if it happens, you will live. If it happens, you will live and not die. Not, not tempting the lord and saying i want to see if this comes true where where's that rattlesnake somebody brings in a snake there's a rip-sized hole in the right in the wall you know i'm going out of here you know and same with drinking poison i don't want to drink poison may not kill you sure make you sick i don't like that but there'll become times when inadvertently accidentally or somehow some way these things will be thwarted upon our lives and our existence in an accident sort of fashion and we will live why? Because we live in a superior kingdom. I like that. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Bonnie gave us a testimony of that this morning. That's exactly what the Lord wants for you and I to operate in every time, all the time. Be, be ready and waiting for that. I was at work one day and, and this guy's wife was in the hospital and, and she... They couldn't figure out what was wrong with her and and he was he was just he was hugely bummed. And he says he's I asked I said, How's your wife doing, man? And he says, Not good. They still can't figure out what's going on and they, they don't know what's wrong and her her liver is dying. Her liver is shutting down. And I said, That doesn't sound good. But I want to tell you something, Jesus heals. And I pulled him aside and I prayed for him. I said, your wife is going to live. Believe it. <sighs> Jesus stepped in. And she lived in that very hour. Not getting better in a little while. I mean, boom, right there. That happens. That happens you know because he wants us to walk in that like what Bonnie said you're going to pray for some people along the way and nothing's going to happen it seems like but something does happen but maybe the healing doesn't take place i want to tell you this that not all are healed or will be healed but i can tell you this all are loved and they sense that and it touches them it opens the door for salvation in their lives they they may have all kinds of of terrible things happen, tragedies and the way they act is because of those things. That What they have become is a result of all of those things. But Jesus has a point of your being there at a moment and saying, God loves you. Jesus can heal. I want to pray for your healing. And then we've got another... Another mindless thing that came into the church and say, "What happens if you pray for them?" They get their hopes up, and, they, and all of a sudden they, they're not healed, and then they get bummed out and mad. And you know what that is? That's called cessationist thinking. They already plan on God not coming through. They are, it's unbelief. That's what unbelief looks like. It's ugly. So, believe this: that Jesus is going to heal. Don't back down from it. Don't back down from it. Don't offer any answers. Don't offer any Jesus didn't give a big theological discourse on, on why they, this person wasn't healed or a huge teaching on why this one might not be healed and how they're gonna act if they don't if if they don't be healed in their pre nonsense. All of that is cessationist thinking. Saying that gifts are not for today. Nonsense. Whew. Get some, get some. There, did I make anybody feel uncomfortable? <laughs> I love every one of you. I love being in the kingdom. I, I want to, you know. I, I especially thank the Lord for joy, because I was not a very joyful person when I came out, came into my uh, coming into this kingdom. I was not. I was a pessimist. I was terribly sarcastic, but but now I've got a, a sanctified sarcasm. You know, Jesus Jesus gave sarcastic answers too, but because He didn't care about what people thought as much as how they were going to end up in hell. Want to stand with me this morning, please? I'm all done. I'll, I'll leave you alone. I'll let God take over. I'll I'll let I'll let Him step in here and and just bless your socks off. He really is that good. He is so good. Everything about Him is good. Right in the midst of the worst of the worst of the terrible, God is still good. And He wants you to know that. That's why He gives you peace. Peace in the midst of misunderstanding and peace beyond understanding is because there are going to be some things we don't understand and He'll still have peace in the midst of it. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you are of the of the nervous type, of the anxious type. Just breathe in the breath of heaven. Relax and know this, that God has you in His hands. God has you in His hands. No matter what happens in this life, we still have heaven. (laughs) Whatever happens today, we still have Him in our lives blessing us. Maybe you were here and you were wondering, well, what, this happened to this person. I, what's going to happen to me? Put that aside. The Prince of Peace is here to minister to you. He's here to bless you. He's here, he's here to wrap His love and arms around you and say, I got this. I got this. How could martyrs be burned alive and still say Jesus is Lord because they had faith that says this, God loves me. This world This world doesn't matter This world doesn't matter The pursuits in this world don't matter In the light of heaven And who God is Lift your eyes up this morning Lift them up and say God I want to see you Jesus I want to see you I can't wait till I see you face to face One of my favorite sayings and this is going to be the last of it right here, is this. God will pull you through if you can stand the pull. He didn't die to make life easy. He died to make life joyful and more abundant. And when you have Him, it just doesn't matter. That is what the world is looking for. That is what they'll be attracted to. Get some. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for your presence here in our midst. I want to thank you, Lord, for the testimony that's in this place. The testimony. Thank you, Lord, for the leadership of Pastor Mike and his wife Chris. And, Lord, everyone else that's involved in leadership and teaching positions. Those who are ready to minister. Lord, we stand at the gates of another week. Lord. Lord, we long to see you in it. May the shadow of your hand fall across each one's path this week. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Lord, I bless these people as we get ready to go. Mm, I bless them with fire. I bless them with fire. Fire jeremiah's fire shut up in his bones gets beat up for saying what he says but just keeps on saying what you give him hallelujah hallelujah blessings blessings and glory and honor of heaven god be at their every turn this week in jesus name hallelujah and everybody said amen god bless you